section twenty two of the sikh religion sacred writings and authors volume six by max arthur mcauliffe this librivox recording is in the public domain section twenty two sheikh farid there are hymns and sloks bearing the name of farid found in the granth sahib the persian historian farishta states that when timur lang approached ajadhan pakpatan in the punjab in the year a d thirteen eighteen a grandson of sheikh farid who was then on his spiritual throne fled with several of the leading inhabitants of the city to Batner in the state of bakaner where they subsequently made peace with the invaders guru nanak was born in a d fourteen sixty nine so he could not have met the original farid it is stated too in the oldest account of the guru's life that it was with sheikh brahm ibrahim farid's successor known as farid the second he had two interviews it is certain that it was sheikh brahm who composed the sloks and hymns bearing the name of farid in the granth sahib though he used the name of the founder of his spiritual line as his poetical nom de plume the following is the genealogy of sheikh brahm he was a son of khwarja sheikh muhammad who was son of dewan pir atala who was son of dewan sheikh ahmed shah who was son of Dewan Pir Baha Uldin, styled Haran, who was son of Khwaja Munawar Shah, who was son of Khwaja Dewan Pir Fazal, who was son of Khwaja Dewan Muiz Uldin, who was son of Khwaja Dewan Pir Ala Uldin, called Majidaria a wave of piety who was son of dewan badar uldin suleiman who was son of hazrat baba farid uldin masad shakar ganj the original farid of pak patan sheikh brahm holds a distinguished place in the list of great saints and bears several titles or appellations he is called farid sani or farid the second salas farid or the arbitrator farid sheikh brahm kalan sheikh brahm the elder bal raja sheikh brahm sahib and shah brahm he is said to have performed many miracles the following is given as an example a thief once entered his house with criminal intent but by god's will was struck blind and could not find his way out when sheikh brahm rose at night to pray he told his servant to fetch water for his ablutions the servant saw the blind thief standing helpless on the floor and informed his master the thief prayed for forgiveness and promised that if he recovered his sight he would renounce his evil ways upon this sheikh brahm prayed for him he recovered his sight and became a devout mussulman another of sheikh brahm's miracles is this in a season of drought he took off his turban 
and began to whirl it about upon which rain fell abundantly two sons of sheikh brahm are mentioned one sheikh taj ul din mahmud a great saint and another sheikh munawar shah shahid sheikh brahm had several disciples such as sheikh salim kishti fatapuri sheikh almadi of chunian baba ahmed lanak of dapalpur malvi jalal ul din of sheikh habad shah abdul fatah of ghazapur haji niamat ullah of sheikh upur etc sheikh brahm died on the twenty first of raja a h nine sixty a d fifteen fifty two after a spiritual reign of forty-two years the kula sat ul tawarik states that he was buried at sarhind whatever other details are known of him have been given in the life of guru nanak who went on two occasions to meet and converse with him there is a great deal known or written regarding the original sheikh farid and it appears that this sketch would be incomplete without some account of him two genealogies of sheikh farid subsequently called farid shakar ganj are given in the jawahar e faridi one spiritual the other temporal he received his spiritual position from his priest khwaja kutub ul din bakhtiar ushi of dili whose spiritual predecessors ascend in a direct line to the prophet of makkah farid's temporal or family genealogy is traced back through princes and kings to hazrat amir ul mumanin umar bin ul kitab qureshi maki faruki the second khalifa of the mohammedans when farooq shah from whom farid was descended was king of kabul the kings of ghazni and other states were subject to him when kabul was subsequently captured by the king of ghazni farooq shah's son went to him in quest of a livelihood the king of ghazni treated him with respect and not only restored him his kingdom of kabul but gave him his daughter in marriage it would appear that the kings of ghazni and kabul at the time were relations for sheikh farid's father sheikh jamal ul din was nephew of the king of ghazni sheikh farid's great-grandfather was killed in the struggles of that period farid's grandfather sheikh shaib with his relations including three sons the eldest of whom was jamal ul din suleiman abandoned their country and took refuge in the punjab in a h five nineteen a d eleven twenty five the qazi of kazur who had been educated in kabul and who was acquainted with the high position sheikh shaib had held there treated him and his relatives with great respect and hospitality after some time sheikh shaib proceeded to multan where he deemed he should be less exposed to worldly influences or the temptings of ambition when he heard of the attentions in store for him in that city he decided that he could not there carry out his intention to lead a life of obscurity and self-effacement he accordingly took up his abode in kothawal now known as chawali musheikh 
not far from depalpur sheikh shaib established in kothawal a private college for religious instruction and in spite of himself attracted much attention his eldest son jamal ul din married bibi miriam daughter of sayyid muhammad abdullah shah a descendant of ali and adopted daughter of malvi waji ul din a descendant of abbas uncle of the prophet of makkah waji ul din had fled from kabul during political difficulties and taken up his abode in karor in the multan district miriam is described as a very pious lady and worker of some great miracles she had three sons khwaja aziz ul din farid ul din masad khawja najib ul din and one daughter bibi khatun jamila the mother of sayyad allah ul din ali ahmad sabir nizam ul din aliyah a disciple of farid relates a legend of a robber who went to farid's mother's house to steal on beginning his operations he lost his sight he then cried out that there must be some saint or miracle worker present he vowed that if his lost sight were restored he would renounce thieving and become a good mohammedan on hearing this vow miriam prayed for him and his sight was restored he went home and returned to her the following morning with an offering of milk accompanied by his wife and children he expressed a desire that they should all become mohammedans miriam caused his wishes in this respect to be gratified with the result that they all became holy in reply to her he said his name was chawa his shrine among others in that locality subsequently became a place of devout pilgrimage when farid was conceived his mother used to spend her days and nights in prayer he was born at kathawal on the first day of the month of ramzan a h five sixty nine a d eleven seventy three the night of his birth was dark and cloudy and the moon whose appearance indicates the beginning of ramzan the mohammedan lent could not be seen so men did not know when to begin their fast a holy man arrived and said that a wonderful son had been born to jamal ul din suleiman if the infant suckled the time for fasting had not yet begun but if on the contrary he refused the breast then all good mohammedans must fast farid did not suckle and so it was apparent the fast had begun during the whole of the month of ramzan it is said the infant only took milk by night in the mohammedan fashion and fasted by day when farid was a few years old his mother taught him his prayers the boy asked what was gained by prayer his mother replied sugar she used accordingly to hide some sugar under his prayer carpet and when he had finished his prayers draw it forth and give it to him as a reward for his devotion on one occasion when his mother was absent he prayed a great deal and it is said a great supply of sugar a miraculous gift of god was found under his carpet some he ate himself and the rest he gave to his playfellows he related the circumstance to his mother on her return it was then his mother gave him the surname shakar ganj meaning a treasury of sugar the following is another version of the reason why the name shakar ganj was bestowed on farid it is related that when the prophet muhammad ascended into heaven god gave him a plate of sugar which he said was from the treasury of a saint who should be born in his sect the prophet was to eat some of it himself and give the remainder to his disciples 
when the prophet returned to earth his friends asked him whence he had obtained the sugar he replied that a holy man should be born in his sect who would become a mediator for sinners when the prophet was asked the holy man's name he said he shall receive from god the name farid as being far di alam unique in the world and he shall be called by me shikar ganj a third reason for the name will subsequently be given his mother sent farid to school at the age of four or five years in a short time he committed the whole the koran to memory he was then sent to multan where he became proficient in secular learning his mother it is said was then counselled by an angel to send him on a pilgrimage to Makka. farid himself had previously conceived the same desire though he was then hardly more than a child he was at the time reading the abu nafa with sayyid nazir ahmad when the latter heard of farid's intended departure he began to weep at the loss of his beloved pupil his parents then resolved to take the boy's preceptor also they set out from kathawal on the thirteenth day of jamadi ul sani a h five eighty five and arrived in the harbour of jada on the twelfth of zikata of the same year that is after a journey of five months thence they proceeded to Makka farid's party stayed in the house of abdul rahim ansari whose wife was very attentive to them they heard that abdul qadir jalani styled hazrat gaus pak kutub e alam had come from baghdad to perform the great mohammedan pilgrimage and taken up his position in the cave of hira on mount abu kabas near Makka. hazrat gaus's praises were in everybody's mouth and farid did not conceal his admiration of the distinguished saint an unkempt fakir on hearing farid's language foretold the boy's subsequent greatness the fakir whispered something into his ear and he at once became insensible he was taken up and carried to abdul rahim's house farid afterwards averred that while he was in this state of apparent insensibility the prophet appeared to him and foretold his future distinction and the fame of his shrine mohammed promised he would stand on farid's tomb every fifth day of the muharram for nine hours through all time farid's mother suggested to him to commit to writing all the details of his interview with the prophet but the memorandum made in obedience to his mother's suggestion has not been found when the pilgrimage to Makka was over hazrat gauss invited farid and his party to visit him in his cave hazrat gauss there produced an iron box containing relics of the prophet they consisted of two banners which used to precede him in war two covers for them a cup made of olive wood a pair of buskins a saffron-coloured turban and some alpaca cloth for a neckcloth when these things after examination were restored to the iron box it was placed on farid's head and bestowed on him after this farid's party went to visit medina and after a brief sojourn there returned to india on their way from the sea they visited ajmer where farid received instruction from kawaja garib nawaz farid was in due time sent to kabul to study theology having completed his course there he returned to multan at minhaj uldin's mosque he met the saint kutub uldin and became his disciple farid's cousin baha uldin zakaria syed jalauddin bukhari and lal shabaz Kalander asked farid to join them on a religious peregrination they were to proceed as fancy dictated in quest of some man of eminent sanctity 
farid said that he only believed in his own priest qutub ul din baha ul din however pressed him to join the party and farid finally consented on the journey they arrived at a place where two ways met on one way which was short there were thieves while on the other which was long they might travel in safety baha ul din advised them to go by the safe road even though it cost more trouble lest they might be deprived of the money they had with them for their travelling expenses farid gave it as his opinion that they should divest themselves of everything that was likely to be stolen and then proceed by the short road this advice was adopted on their way they arrived at the river indus where they found fishermen casting nets farid and his party were hungry and agreed to cast nets into the river each in his turn and in his own name in the hope of catching some fish for their dinner the nets were cast and found empty until it came to farid's turn his net became so full of fish and therefore so heavy that the fishermen could not draw it out of the water farid repeating bismillah easily drew it forth the party then proceeded to cross the river on the opposite shore there lived a saint called sheikh Souf, under whose spiritual guidance farid and his party wished to place themselves sheikh Souf told farid and his friends that he had no power to make them his disciples and referred them to sheikh shahab uldin saharwardi the sinecure of the age who lived in bukhara farid and his three friends then set out for bukhara shahab uldin declared that farid was a man of wonderful courage and destined to obtain a high spiritual position at the same time he ought to return to his own priest qutub uldin before the return of the party baha uldin became a disciple of shahab uldin as farid baha uldin sayyid jalal uldin bukhari and lal shabaz kalander were returning from bukhara they stayed near a village in sindh a charitable person gave them a little corn for food which they much required after a long fast farid bade his companions go and pray in the forest while he took the corn to the village to be ground he went to a woman's house and asked her to grind the corn and take some of the flour for her labor she seeing that he was very handsome invited him into her house and told him that he might grind the corn himself when he entered she proposed that he should make love to her preparatory to the hoped-for act she put her child of three months old into a cradle farid repulsed her and when she further pressed her proposal took to flight she then cried out called all her neighbors to witness and indecent assault and charged the runaway with having dishonored her the villagers collected pursued and arrested farid and took him before the magistrate he was called upon for his defence and asked to produce witnesses of his innocence if he had any otherwise he should suffer the punishment provided for such a heinous crime farid said his witness was the woman's child who would support his statements the child was brought to court in his cradle farid adjured the child by his creator to speak the truth and tell what had occurred he to the astonishment of all not only spoke intelligently but gave evidence calculated to completely establish farid's innocence upon this the magistrate rebuked and imprisoned the woman when farid reached khwaja kutub ul din the latter was at the height of his fame the author of the jawahir-e-faridi states that he enjoined the observance of the following four rules on all who aspired to perfection sleep little eat little speak little associate little with the world 
farid said that even were every hair on his body a tongue he could not describe qutub ul din's virtues qutub ul din on finding farid deficient in scholarship sent him to the shrine of abdul shakur of sarsa to finish his education on that occasion farid repeated the following o farid thou hast not walked in god's way therefore he hath not appeared unto thee who is there who hath knocked at god's door for whom it hath not been opened lose thy life on the way of the friend if thou desire to be even as those holy men the high reputation farid obtained in dili soon became irksome to him he therefore made his way to hansi where he remained for some time meantime his high priest in dili appears to have died upon this farid paid a second visit to that city and assumed the mantle of his late spiritual guide he ultimately left it in the keeping of jamal ul din of hansi and thence proceeded to ajadan the present pak patan where he afterwards died and where his followers now reside and receive offerings at his shrine the manner in which the name of the place became changed to pak patan may be here stated a canal which derived its water from the satluj passed near the town it was usual for all who visited farid to wash their hands and feet there the place then became known as baba sahib ka pak patan or farid's cleansing ferry when farid first went to ajadhan it is said that he lived on the fruit of the jal and the wild caper these formed a staple food even when he subsequently became great and famous abu musala a kazi of pak patan grew jealous of the newcomer farid and complained to the subadar of multan that he sang and danced the subadar forwarded the complaint to the emperor who issued an order as usual in the persian language anra az shahar ba darkunid turn him out of the city when this order reached the subadar he read kazir az shahar ba darkunid turn the kazi out of the city the words it was said had been miraculously changed during the transit of the order from dili to multan when the kazi heard of the order he deeming repentance convenient and more profitable than expulsion fell at farid's feet implored his forgiveness and became his disciple the kazi in due time gave his daughter in marriage to farid's son makdam badr ul din from this marriage was born hazrat allah ul din maji daria farid after some time in accordance with his mother's advice went to a forest and lived there as an anchoret for twelve years subsisting on the leaves of trees on his return she began to comb his dishevelled hair farid complained that the operation caused him pain his mother replied that he must have caused similar pain to the trees when he robbed them of their leaves and fruit for food it is written in the koran that everything prays to god hence the trees must be sentient beings farid then felt for the first time that his penance had been profitless he accordingly set out on another pilgrimage of twelve years this time so as not to hurt any living thing he tied a wooden cake to his stomach and it is said subsisted on the imaginary sustenance it afforded him for the full term of his vow if any one asked him to eat he used to point to the wooden cake and say that he had already dined and that the remainder of his meal was attached to his stomach one day in the dire pangs of hunger it is said he bit the wooden cake in the hope of satisfying his appetite the reputed marks of his teeth are shown on a piece of wood still preserved in pak patan 
Farid in his wanderings visited in a d twelve forty four the gerar hill in the wada district of central india and lived there for some time two travellers who at first mocked him and subsequently felt the effects of his miraculous power became his disciples they died on the hill where their graves are still pointed out farid subsequently visited the hill of datar in the state of junagar and abode there for some time he was known under the name of shakar bai his fireplace near a spring called colander kachashma the colander's well is still pointed out and revered by pilgrims hindu lepers visit the place to be healed of their malady and in the event of success become mussulmans of such are the men in a temple on the slope of the hill who have acquired several well-marked mohammedan characteristics his mother finding that farid on his return had not lost all remnants of pride dismissed him to do penance for a third period of twelve years this time it is said he caused himself to be suspended by the feet in a well he used sometimes when wearied by the unnatural position of his body to go out and pray and express his satisfaction with the divine will it is said that birds used to build their nests in his hair and beasts of prey to peck at or devour his flesh he composed the following couplet in reference to these circumstances farid thy body is on the stake thy head hath become a cage the crows peck at thy feet if god come to me even now happy shall be my lot this couplet was subsequently expanded into the ninetieth ninety-first and ninety-second slots of sheikh brahm found in the grand sahib after twelve years thus occupied it is said a voice called out to him god will grant any favour thou askest farid replied that he only desired salvation farid on being questioned why he had endured so much penance said that he desired to save all the followers of muhammad whom he could fold within his arms his questioner replied thou canst fold only two men within thine arms farid then stretched out his hands whereupon one of them seemed to reach to the east and the other to the west and he said all persons within the circuit of my arms shall accept islam and be saved his questioner stood abashed on hearing this and became his disciple it is stated in the gulshan-e-aulia that god had an understanding with farid that he should give him three terms of life of forty years each after the first forty years god said thou hast been searching for me after the second forty god said thou hast done my bidding after the third forty god again said thou hast done my bidding now i will do thine it would thus appear that after a holy career farid died at the age of one hundred and twenty years other writers however as we shall see assign the saint a shorter period of life the fame of farid's miracles widely extended and some men through envy became exceedingly hostile to him two darwishes displeased at his high reputation for sanctity and thaumaturgy came from a great distance to kill him farid spoke gently to his intended murderers with the result that they departed fully satisfied that he was a great saint and deserved praise rather than censure long life rather than death after that two saints arrived from mount lebanon to decide the question as to who was the spiritual ruler of india on making farid's acquaintance they became so enamoured of the beauty and saintliness of his character that they decided to pass the remainder of their lives in his service others arrived on the same errand and from the same locality so it was said that lebanon was denuded of its male population farid in due time dismissed them all saying that lebanon was the home of saints and they ought not to abandon it 
in the train of other holy men who came from ghazni kabul and other cities to the west of it to engage in missionary enterprise in india was ahmad daniel of bukhara the father of nizam ul din alia having stayed for some time at lahore ahmed daniel in a d twelve thirty four proceeded to badan then a famous city of mohammedan learning there three years after his arrival nizam ul din originally called mohammed was born to him nizam ul din was left an orphan at the age of five years he was carefully and piously instructed by his mother zuleika and in early youth showed such extraordinary ability that he was known as nizam ul din bahas or the controversialist and mafil shikan the assembly router on arriving at manhood he was offered by the emperor the coveted post of kazi at dili but that being principally of a secular character he preferred to embrace a religious life and become a disciple of farid from him according to abu fazal author of the ein e akbari he obtained the key of the treasury of inward illumination nizam ul din had heard much of farid and longed to meet him and receive his spiritual instruction farid too was equally anxious to meet such a holy man he said he had had an inspiration to confer the spiritual sovereignty of hindustan on a man called nizam ul din accordingly when the two holy men met farid gave nizam ul din his patched coat and wooden shoes and appointed him head of the mohammedan faith in india he bade him be of good cheer and promised ever to assist him on that occasion farid made the following couplet the fire of separation from thee roasteth our hearts the torrent of thy love destroyeth our lives these lines were intended to compliment nizam ul din on his personal popularity and the love with which he inspired his associates in the time of the emperor nasir ul din there was a celebrated preacher called afsa ul din in dili he visited farid in ajadhan to hold a religious controversy with him and was encountered by nizam ul din whom farid deputed for the purpose nizam ul din gave afsa ul din most unexpectedly clever and satisfactory replies to all his arguments whereat he marvelled greatly and departed saying if the disciple is so what must the master be farid ultimately made afsa ul din a disciple of his farid used generally to reject offerings of money one day the emperor presented him with two plates of gold coins farid would only accept two mahars out of the imperial offerings those he accepted were devoted to the purchase of provisions for his public kitchen the remainder he ordered to be distributed among fakirs in the process of distribution two of the coins fell and were picked up by a disciple of farid farid not observing this began to pray but could not fix his thoughts on god he knew therefore that some one in the assembly must have worldly dross on him after much inquiry he became aware of the act of his disciple and ordered him to throw away the coins immediately it was only then that farid could fix his attention on his devotions as an example of farid's frugal habits the following anecdote is related nizam ul din alia one day cooked some coarse lentils which he seasoned with barred salt farid ordered him to distribute the lentils and then give him his share when it was brought to farid he said it savoured of excessive expenditure nizam ul din admitted that he had seasoned it with barred salt whereupon farid said he had done wrong food obtained in that way should not be eaten upon this freed sent the food away 
farid accompanied baha-ul-din zakaria at his request on another journey namely to the mountain of kaf the caucasus on descending therefrom they are said to have seen a man with a fiery dress riding on a fiery tiger an allegory intended to represent the burning zeal of the first propagators of islam the man put farid behind him and rode off with him for the conversion of the world farid on returning to ajadhan from his missionary journey was hospitably received and entertained by sheikh nasir ullah's mother a widow named bibi um e kulsum whom he afterwards married she brought him valuable building land to the west of the town farid cherished nasir ullah and educated and brought him up as his own son during farid's absence in the caucasus a yogi gained great spiritual ascendancy over the people of ajadhan and made many converts among them in due time they all returned to farid who promptly repaired the mischief that had been done and restored his flock to their former spiritual allegiance the emperor nasir uddin deputed nawab ali khan to present farid with a large sum of money in gold and a perpetual grant of the revenue of four villages farid refused both the money and the grant and told ali khan to take them to those who needed them if he himself accepted them he would no longer be reckoned a darwash men would upbraid him for his worldliness and on the day of judgment he would not be allowed to take his place in the ranks of the elect on this occasion farid cited the precepts and example of his priest kutub ul din bakhtiar ushi once the emperor shams ul din altmish sent him a dish of gold and silver coins and a lease of six villages kutub ul din rejected the royal offerings saying that none of his predecessors had ever accepted such things and were he to do so he would be no true follower of theirs when nawab alif khan was on his return journey to dili it occurred to him that the emperor nasir uldin had no heir and he reflected that if he could secure farid's intercession he might become emperor himself he therefore returned to farid who gave him the following verses the great faradun was not an angel he was not constructed out of rose-water and ambergris he obtained greatness by his justice and generosity dispense thou justice and generosity and thou shalt be even as faridun alif khan receiving these lines joyfully returned to dili and ultimately on the death of nasir uldin was saluted emperor under the title of gaius uldin balban farid went to dili during the lifetime of nasir uldin and received a most hospitable reception the emperor introduced him to his queens and made them his disciples while in the female apartments farid's glance fell on hazebra the emperor's daughter farid looked first looked at her and then looked up to heaven he inquired whose daughter she was and on being duly informed took his departure the emperor understood farid's desire and sent his prime minister to offer him hazebra in marriage farid who had already made up his mind on the subject said that god the prophet and the elders of the Kistis had all given him orders to ally himself with the emperor's daughter he averred that he had seen a sign on hazebra's forehead that she was intended for him upon that occasion farid addressed god thou hast drawn away my heart from thy love and inclined it in another direction god is said to have replied perform the marriage for the love of my friend the prophet farid prayed god to pardon him god again replied i have an object in this when sons are born to thee it shall be to the advantage of thy people and they shall be pardoned 
farid still anxious on the subject urged if any of my descendants sin i shall be called to account in thy court god replied keep the good children thyself and entrust the bad ones to me farid and the emperor's daughter were duly married the emperor sent three hundred servants to wait on her of these farid only allowed her to retain two men and two women the first night the lady richly apparelled lay on a gorgeous couch farid produced his prayer carpet and slept on it on the ground near her next day she told her nurse that farid had not approached her the nurse remonstrated with him on the subject he replied that he did not approve of the regal style the lady had adopted she must sell her jewels and rich dresses devote the price of them to god's service and wear the habit of a darwesh when the lady received this message she said she would do as her husband had ordered she accordingly devoted the proceeds of the sale of her jewels and dresses to the relief of the poor farid then procured for her wear a coarse jacket of a dirty brown colour black pyjamas green glass bangles and a pewter nose-ring the emperor was not pleased that his daughter should appear in such mean habiliments and again supplied her with new clothes and jewellery to wear instead of what she had rejected at her husband's desire the new articles she again gave to the poor a third time the emperor sent her what he deemed suitable apparel and ornaments but she and her husband parted with them as before the emperor continued to send her presents but they were only a source of disagreement between her husband and herself at last the lady proposed that they should leave dilly and proceed to pakpatan this was agreed upon farid left his brother najibuddin to do spiritual duty for him in dilly it may be here stated that the females of the shrine are still married in dresses similar to what farid procured for his wife after the honeymoon's raiment more suitable to their worldly position is adopted the emperor's daughter bore farid five sons Badr ul-din shahab ul-din nizam ul-din yakub and abdullah shah and three daughters fatima mastur and sharifa in the itrat e farida it is stated that farid had a third wife named najib ul nissa sister of sheikh zakaria and we shall subsequently see that he procured a fourth wife on the panjab mountains farid being once very ill sent nizam uldin and other darweshes to a cemetery to pray for him the idea was and is that prayers offered in the presence of men who have gone to god are acceptable and successful the prayer however proved of no avail upon this one of the darweshes remarked that the prayers of the worthless were of no advantage to the perfect that is the prayers of ordinary darweshes could not benefit farid this expression was subsequently repeated to farid by nizam uldin farid was pleased with the compliment and it is said granted nizam uldin supernatural power nizam uldin then returned to the cemetery prayed for farid's recovery and on his return found him in perfect health to show the spiritual and social position held by the family it is related that farid addressed his cousin as hazrat gauss sheikh baha uldin zakaria his cousin addressed him in reply mashuk e kuda wa ashik e zat e kibria farid fardi alam shah shakar ganj ajohani kishti beloved of god and loving the almighty being farid unique in the world king treasury of sugar chisti of ajadhan sheikh 
Badr ud-din descended from a noble family of ghazni was a disciple of katab ud-din of dili farid highly impressed with Badr ud-din's reputation for sanctity went one day to visit him Badr ud-din had nothing for him to eat so he sent his coarse blanket to the market to be sold for whatever it would fetch in order to provide a meal for his distinguished guest malik nizam ud-din a different person from the nizam ud-din alia with whom we have been concerned made a monastery for sheikh badr ud-din who was pleased to reside in it and dispensed to the poor the provisions which nizam ud-din had provided for them in abundance it happened that this nizam ud-din subsequently in some way offended the emperor and was imprisoned badr ud-din wrote to farid to pray to god for his release farid refused on the ground that nizam ud-din had constructed a monastery for self-aggrandizement a course which was not in accordance with the humble practice of his predecessors who sought retirement and self-effacement there was a religious man called shams dabir who lived in great indigence in sunam in the present state of patiala he wrote some verses in praise of farid and went to him to recite them farid on hearing the eulogium asked the poet what he wanted shams dabir replied that he was very poor and had not wherewithal to support his aged mother farid replied that he gave not money but he would pray very fervently for him shams dabir ultimately became secretary to the emperor's prime minister the emperor allah-ul-din massad made hamid a learned man his viceroy of bengal one day as hamid was standing with clasped hands before the emperor a form of light appeared to him and asked why he was standing in a suppliant attitude before a fool the same question was asked hamid the next day and the next day again upon this he resigned his post and proceeded to ajadhan whither he was attracted by farid's spiritual power on reaching farid's dwelling he fell down and kissed his threshold when farid had heard his story he made him his disciple and gave him the patch coat of a khalifa hamid remained for some time with farid and became a very eloquent preacher farid often called him a bright particular star but at the same time remarked that a star looks not bright in the presence of the sun a subtle compliment to himself farid suggested that he should return and live in the town of andina near dili and benefit god's people by his preaching hamid however stated that his intention was rather to make a pilgrimage to Makkah and medina the cities hallowed by the residence of his prophet upon this farid allowed him to take his departure malana badr ul-din son of syed minhaj ul-din najari was professor of arabic in the mohammedan college of dili in the course of his theological studies he encountered several difficulties for which he could receive no satisfactory solution from the holy men of his acquaintance he therefore resolved to travel to bakara then the seat of some of the greatest mohammedan scholars of the age he went by multan whose learned men also he wished to consult on the way he met some pious hermits one of whom was a disciple of farid and had farid's name ever on his tongue badr ul-din after a short conference with him told him he was wasting his time in such occupation the disciple said he could not help it for farid's name issued spontaneously from his lips the disciple and his friends then suggested to badr ul-din to pay sheikh farid a visit and perhaps he would solve some of his difficulties badr ul-din replied that he had met several sheikhs that they were merely impostors and that men wasted their time in converse with them 
the disciple and his friends argued the matter with badr ul din and represented to him that he could only appreciate sheikh farid's merits when he had made his acquaintance badr ul din at last gave way and was conducted by his casual friends to farid farid solved his theological difficulties in a satisfactory manner and then made him his disciple upon this badr ul din decided not to proceed to bukhara but remain in ajadhan with farid he became so humble that he used to wait on holy men cut firewood in the forest and cook their food with it he was at the same time very attentive to his devotions and used to mortify his body with fasting once when there was a marriage in pakpatan badr ul din on seeing the relations of the bride draw water with which to bathe the bride and bridegroom according to ancient custom thought that if he were in his own country and among his people his own marriage also might be duly celebrated some time afterwards badr ul din proceeded on a pilgrimage to Makka and medina on his return farid informed him of the thoughts which had passed through his mind on seeing water drawn to bathe the bride and bridegroom and said he could either have a temporal or a permanent marriage as he deemed most advantageous by permanent marriage farid meant death as among the ancient greeks and if badr ul din desired it not only water but milk and sugar should ever be offered at his shrine and the fame of such a marriage should resound both in earth and heaven it would appear from the jawahir e faridi that badr ul din accepted both forms of marriage farid gave him his daughter fatima in marriage he also made him his chamberlain with the title of badr ul diwan whenever farid spoke to him on the subject of appointing him to a position corresponding with that of bishop in partibus infidelium he used to reply that he desired to live forever under farid's shadow farid built him a house near the great mosque of the city and there he lived in the service of god after his death a mausoleum was erected over his remains as promised by sheikh farid his marriage ceremonies are celebrated once a year by a fair held on the sixth day of the month jamadi ulsani when copious libations of sharbat are offered at his shrine one day as farid awoke from a trance he said the eye which looketh not towards god had better be blind the tongue which uttereth not his name had better be dumb the ear which heareth not his praises had better be deaf and the body which performeth not his service had better be dead after this utterance farid relapsed into his trance once seven hundred holy men were sitting together an inquirer put them four questions to which they gave identically the same replies question one who is the wisest of men answer he who refraineth from sin question two who is the most intelligent answer he who is not disconcerted by anything question three who is the most independent answer he who practiseth contentment question four who is the most needy answer he who practiseth it not the following sentences are taken from farid's sermons god hesitateth to raise his hand against his creatures be not overjoyed with worldly wealth and if thou have none at all be not depressed the day we obtain not our desires should be to us as a time of rejoicing like the night of the prophet's ascension into heaven man should not allow his ambition to be cooled by the discouraging remarks of the world when a fakir putteth on rich clothes they become his winding-sheet of all attractions attraction towards devotion is the best it fareth well with him who thinketh on his own faults and not on the faults of others to the pure all things are pure nothing can defile them 
if you aspire to attain the dignity of the departed saints bow not to monarchs the learned man is the most noble among men and the holy man the most noble among noblemen the holy man among the learned is like the full moon among the stars the most contemptible of men is he who occupieth himself with eating and dressing the repetition of the following lines gave great spiritual comfort to farid last night sad thoughts possessed me but afterwards i reflected on my beautiful lover i said i would do everything to go to his door my tears ran and my lover then caught my sleeve a student asked farid if singing were lawful and proper he replied that according to the mohammedan religion it was certainly unlawful but its propriety was still a matter of discussion nizam uldin alia told nasir uldin a disciple of his that one day when he went to visit farid he stood at his door and saw him dancing as he sang the following i wish ever to live in thy love o god if i become the dust under thy feet i shall live i thy slave desire none but thee in both worlds for thee i will live and for thee i will die the following was a favourite couplet of farid not every heart is capable of finding the secret of god's love there are not pearls in every sea there is not gold in every mine one of farid's beloved friends was sheikh jamal ul din of hanzi whom he called his senior khalifa hazrat sheikh baha ul din Zakaria of multan hearing of this man's fame begged farid to lend him to him to preach to the faithful farid refused but when pressed by jamal ul din who was attracted to baha ul din by supernatural influence replied go and blacken thy face it is said that upon this jamal ul din's face became black and he fled to the forest to hide himself from human gaze farid forbade all persons to intercede for him or assist him in any way it happened that as a man called alim was going to ajadhan from multan he met jamal ul din on the way jamal ul din begged him to intercede with farid and he did so lapse of time and importunity caused farid to relent he wrote to jamal ul din the four following lines and then restored him to favour go round the world and in wandering raise blisters on thy feet if thou find any one like me then forsake me come one morning with pure heart to my door if thou attain not thine object then make complaint jamal ul din returned to farid and farid's love for him increased after the rupture jamal ul din was a descendant of abu hanifa of kusa farid visited mokalhar now called farid khat in honour of the saint the country was then ruled by mokal at the time of farid's visit mokal was building his capital and used to impress all visitors for the work though farid wore the patched coat of a religious man he too was pressed into the rajah's service the masons and workmen on making farid's acquaintance bowed at his feet and prayed him to grant them forgiveness of their sins the rajah too followed their example and for some days personally waited on him farid asked what name the king was going to give his city the king replied mokal har then said farid barun kair wa andaran dar it is fair without but a ruin within by which the saint meant that it should never be thoroughly inhabited the king represented his hard fate to farid though thousands of rupees had been spent on his capital no one came to dwell in it if his holiness farid ordered it should soon be full of inhabitants farid then told him to change the name and dwell in it himself mokal consented and called the city farid khat in compliment to his holy guest farid then said go 
god the most high will cause thee and thy descendants to abide in that fort there is a legend that farid once visited a city on the panjab mountains one day as he was bathing a beautiful young lady accidentally saw and conceived a desire to approach him for a son by such a man should become king of the realm of beauty it is said that jamila khatun the beautiful lady while revolving this in her mind became pregnant after farid's departure there was great commotion in the tribe on hearing of the young lady's condition she averred that she had committed no impropriety but no one would believe her every one said it was of course that stranger farid's doing farid chanced to return to that part of the country six months afterwards he was charged with the young lady's seduction which apart from being a sin was a grievous offence against the tribe he solemnly denied the charge but no one would accept his statement he requested his accusers to ask the lady if she had ever conceived a desire to have a child by him she then admitted that such a desire had arisen in her mind upon this breed in self-defence instanced the well-known case of jesus having been born without a human father and also the case of adam who had been produced without father or mother and said that nothing was impossible to god's omnipotence and he might in his mercy have given a son to the virgin the tribe heeded not farid's words and said they would only believe him if he wrought a miracle in their presence they found no difficulty in suggesting a subject they told him that no sugar-cane grew in their country if he went with them to the forest and caused sugar to rain they would accept his story of the young lady's immaculate pregnancy but not otherwise farid then said in the persian language which he habitually spoke chai ajab az afrigari ki zanzibikar ra aza quadrat e camilla e kud hamilla b wasta shohar sakt az osman shakar nisar farm yad what wonder would it be if the creator who out of his perfect power maketh a virgin pregnant without human intervention should rain sugar it is said that sugar immediately began to rain and from that time farid obtained the name of shakar kanj the treasury of sugar after this miracle all the people of the tribe became as followers and he was formally wedded to jamila katan who soon afterwards gave birth to a son farid remained there for six months during which time he fasted forty days he locked up the house in which he had dwelt saying that his successor would open it and then return to ajad Han. as his successor diwan Tajuddin was returning from a pilgrimage to makka and medina he happened to visit that part of the country he asked the people to what tribe they belonged they said that they were descendants of katab ul alam baba farid shakar ganj he inquired from which of farid's sons they were descended they replied that they had not come in that way but had been miraculously born when taj ul din had heard the whole story he unlocked the door of farid's hut the people were delighted to see taj ul din and became his followers in large numbers farid died of pneumonia on the fifth day of the month of muharram a h six sixty four a d twelve sixty six the date of farid's death is commemorated by the chronograms a farid asari b aralia kudai he was unique a saint of god farid's last words were in arabic ya hayo ya kayam o ever living o eternal god at the last word kayam farid expired farid was to have been buried outside the town of patpatan at a place called the martyrs graves where he had first alighted on his arrival but his son makdam khwaja nizam ul-din arrived in time to alter the proposed arrangement 
this son who had been a general in the emperor's army was then living in retreat at patali as he lay asleep one night before his father's death he thought he heard his father calling him he arose and went to ajahan but as the gates of the town were all locked at the time he could not gain access to farid's dwelling farid knew of his son's arrival but it was too late to see him his advice however said farid should be taken in all matters regarding my funeral and burial the son advised that the family should wait for nizam uldin alia from dili and express his intention of temporarily burying his father in the house where he had lived and where subsequently his eldest son khwaja shahab uldin was buried on the arrival of nizam uldin alia from dili he had a mausoleum erected for farid he directed that the koran should be read over clean bricks that the reader should then blow on them and employ them for the construction of farid's grave this direction was obeyed the havitses and the and the khalifas read the koran over bricks consecrated as directed and made farid's grave with them a shrine was built with stone windows on the east and north sides for women to see through and with a door on the south side to be called the vahisti darwaza or gate of paradise for men to enter by the body was then exhumed from its temporary grave and after being well perfumed placed within the mausoleum thus constructed it is said that the souls of muhammad and all the muhammadan saints appeared on the occasion at the advice of nizam uldin alia the stone window at the east was broken at farid's reinterment to admit of the exit of the souls of the prophet and his saints where the soul of muhammad had taken up its position within the mausoleum there was a hudra or small chapel built called kadam rasul or the prophet's footsteps nizam uldin then stated that he had received a message from the departed farid that god would pardon and save from hell all who passed through the paradisal gate this was everywhere proclaimed from the rising to the setting of the sun some persons however who had no internal eyes refused to believe that the gate possessed such supreme efficacy upon this nizam uldin said to the prophet if the populace be allowed to behold thee their spiritual darkness shall be dispelled it is said that the prophet then appeared to the whole multitude and not a scintilla of doubt remained in any one's mind as to the advantages to be obtained from passing through the sacred portal it was subsequently ordered that women should pray at the stone window on the north side and that a wall should be built outside it to secure their privacy the door opening to the east was then called the door of light it is that by which men generally enter and leave the shrine after farid's death his son badr uldin suleiman succeeded him in his spiritual and sayyid malvi badr uldin ishak in his temporal duties envious persons set the two badr uldins at variance upon which nizam uldin alia came from dili and made peace between them we have mentioned the hot ul-kulub as one of our authorities for the life of farid the first entry in it was made on the eleventh of the month rajab a h six fifty five a d twelve fifty four and the last on the twenty fifth of safar a h six fifty six the diary thus shows farid's acts and conversations for the space of eleven months we shall here give some extracts from it farid considered that fakiri or holiness consisted in four things namely to be blind to the faults of mohammedans to be deaf to slander to be dumb when evil speaking is suggested 
and to be lame when there is a desire to visit evil places on one occasion sheikh badr ul din of ghazni jamal ul din of hanzi sharaf ul din of nabha and kazi hamid ul din of nagar met at farid's house farid dilated to them on the virtues of hospitality and said it was proper for a host to give something to every guest whether he received an equivalent or not at a religious conference at farid's house where were assembled malvi hamid uldin of nagaur sheikh shams uldin sheikh Burhan uldin and others sheikh farid mentioned an expression in the hadis or traditional sayings of the prophet that love of the world was the source of all evil a man called sheikh abdallah sahel of tashtar said that god and man were all one there was no difference between them except that in proportion as man loved the world he fell away from god farid expressed his concurrence with this statement and added that the heart was like a mirror and love of mammon was as rust on it which should be removed by the file of god's love land covered with tares and thistles produced no good crop until they were eradicated fakirs should remain aloof from the world and not visit even kings and nobles once when the king of iraq was ill he sent for abdallah sohel to treat him sohel cured him but thought it necessary to expiate the offence of visiting a king by living a life of absolute retirement for seven years the friendship of wealthy men was in his opinion as poison for holy men when a holy man associates with such men his influence on others is injurious to them abdullah defined the word tarikat a spiritual stage of mohammedans to mean absolute disregard for the things of this world farid said he had lived for ten years with the saint abu yusuf kisti and during that time had never moved a foot in the direction of a king or noble except on fridays when he went to pray for prayers should be said in common on the sabbath he thought that whenever a fakir has visited a monarch his patch coat and hat ought afterwards to be burned in order to remove the contagion of wealth and pride it is not surprising to hear that a man of farid's sanctity and force of character made many converts among the hindus within the reach of his influence the balis the sirhangs the jakars and the andakans are enumerated among the tribes whom he induced to accept islam when badr uldin suleiman farid's son succeeded him he was invested with the turban which farid himself had received from sheikh abdul Qadr jalani hazrat gauss the turban was of three colors saffron at one end brown at the other and white in the centre nizam ul din purchased several white turbans and steeped them with abdul qadir jalanis in the same pot the object of this was that abdul qadir jalani's turban might communicate some of its virtues to the white turbans and that the latter after such contact might confer blessings on farid's disciples and friends when they bound them on their heads when badr ul din had put on abdul qadir jalani's turban and farid's disciples and friends the white turbans the whole company went outside the gate of paradise and sat down sweets were produced and a priest read texts from the koran over them they were then distributed for the repose of the souls of the kisti kalwajas to whom farid spiritually belonged this custom is still observed by the followers of farid on the approach of the muharram the koran is read over a jug of sharbat for the souls of ancestors and the sharbat is then distributed among the faithful when the muharram begins there is singing after breakfast to which the high priest listens on his carpet of prayer the whole audience then enters on a state of exultation 
the priest puts on a turban like farid's and binds white turbans on the heads of his brethren and disciples on the fifth day of the Maharam, he opens the gate of paradise and the crowd enters with a rush in the hope that when they cross the barrier they shall secure in reality the bliss of the elect the gate of paradise is a small door in the shrine which is only opened twice a year and on both occasions at night in our time the crowd which passes through shouting haji kutub farid or simply farid to maintain their fervour has been estimated sometimes at thirty thousand souls to reach the gate of paradise three outer portals have to be traversed among the immense crowd there is a rivalry to reach heaven in the shortest time not by good deeds but by physical strength and in this struggle numbers are continually maimed and some aged and infirm persons occasionally killed were not a large force of police generally reinforced from neighbouring districts march to the shrine to maintain order great indeed would be the destruction of human life at this religious ceremony men are not content to pass the gate for themselves they return again and again to vicariously conduct their female relatives to the abode of bliss and this reiterated service increases the crowd the confusion and the danger to human life on the seventh day of the maharam there is again singing the reading of the koran is finished and the gate of paradise is left open on the tenth of the month farid's mausoleum is washed and perfumed within and without in the month of ramzan the banners which abdul qadir jalani received from medina and gave to farid are taken out and fitted with new cloth the high priest's followers present him with an ordinary coat and a patched coat meaning thereby temporal and spiritual raiment when he puts them on the prayers appointed for the id in the end of ramzan are read farid's cup stick and rosary are then produced and prayers offered the high priest with a rosary in one hand and farid's staff in the other begs for alms upon which his followers present him with cakes of sugar almonds and coconuts such offerings are afterwards distributed among the poor it remains to add a few words regarding nizam ul din alia the author of the rahab ul kolob and farid's faithful friend and disciple he states that he visited ajadhan three times during the life of farid and farid charged him with the education of his children subsequently nizam ul din was sent by farid as khalifa or spiritual ruler of hindustan and in that capacity amassed great wealth and became known as zarizar baf woven or altogether of gold a name given him by bu ali shah a religious man of panipat it is probable that nizam uddin's great wealth aroused the jealousy of mubarak kulji who ascended the Dili throne in a d thirteen seventeen he summoned sheikh rukin din from multan in the hope of counteracting nizam din's unquestionably great influence with the people nizam din went forth to meet the man who had been chosen as his antagonist and produced a highly favourable impression on him when the emperor afterwards asked rukin din who had been the principal person to go forth and welcome him to dili rukin din replied the foremost man of the age by which he meant nizam din the emperor after this testimony to nizam uddin's greatness withdrew his opposition to him and allowed him to dwell in peace the imperial hostility to nizam uddin descended to gaius uddin tuglak one of the successors of mabarak kilji when gaius uddin was returning from his expedition to bengal he no longer desired to see nizam uddin and ordered him to leave the city nizam uddin had no alternative but to obey but decided to do so at leisure he said to his friends hanaz dili durast dili is 
still far off by which he meant that the emperor should never reach delhi the emperor on his homeward march put up in a house at afghanpur hastily constructed for his reception by his son alaf khan the house fell upon the monarch and killed him in a d thirteen twenty five the emperor's death was popularly attributed to his hostility to the saint nizam uddin's expression dili is far off has passed into a proverb it corresponds to the english saying there is many a slip twixt the cup and the lip nizam uddin himself died the same year as the emperor nizam uddin notwithstanding his worldly success raised many men in dili bengal chandiri malwar bihar ujjain gujrat and the dakhan to the heights of spiritual sanctity having conferred his caliphaship on khwaja hazrat nasir uddin chirag he died in dili on wednesday the eighteenth day of rabi ul sani a h seven twenty five a d thirteen twenty five that is sixty years after the death of his beloved priest he was buried in a quarter then known as gaispur he wrote the following persian lines in praise of farid piri man priest malana farid ham chu odar sihar mala na farid my priest is the holy farid god created no one in the world like him End of section 22